Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted Social Distancing Style from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by the one and only Wes Hodkowitz. And uh, Wes, I need to start this show by offering an apology to our regular listeners and viewers. Our plan was to do two shows per week during the regular season. We did not meet that goal a week ago. Long story short, I'll spare you the details, just duties and other responsibilities and things got in the way. Life happened. All of us involved in this, including our producer, Marvin. Um, So anyway, we apologize for that. We are going to try to forge ahead and do two shows a week. And uh, we appreciate you sticking with us as we roll with the punches here in 2020. So with that, Wes, we have a second Packers victory to talk about. 42 to 21 Sunday at Lambeau Field. The Packers double up on the Detroit Lions and fitting that the score was a double up because doubling up at the end of the first half, beginning of the second half with those two touchdowns was really what swung this game in Green Bay's favor. So here's what's funny. Uh, We did insider inbox last week and somebody asked me, Hey, is there any chance that the Packers could repeat what they did (laughs) against the Minnesota Vikings? I'm like, they had an all time, like, incredible performance there's no chance you're going to have another 500 yards 40 plus points 30 plus first downs and no turnovers that was the first time it had happened in franchise history a week ago against minnesota and lo and behold they come up 12 yards shy in like four first downs of like hitting those same marks again i mean they're off to just this trepid start right now but you know you talked about an important thing there mike and it's something that over the course of time here especially over the last few years it's become so important with the deferring the opening kickoff for teams trying to double up at the end of the half and then going into the second half. Uh, This was as picture perfect as it gets in terms of how the Packers went about it. And then that, you know, carry to start the second half, a 75 yard touchdown that Aaron Jones started the the third quarter with, uh, you couldn't ask for a better swing for Green Bay, not only on the scoreboard going from being down four, uh, what was it? 14 to 10 to up 24 to 14 not only just that but just the momentum swing the way it changed the defense the way the offense started approaching the game differently uh, it, it was everything you could have wished it to be for the Packers and they come out on top and now 2-0 and in the NFC North yeah well I don't know if I've ever seen that double up on either ends of halftime so close together the Packers scored a touchdown 14 seconds before intermission and then Aaron Jones went 75 yards to the house, 12 seconds into the third quarter. So 26 seconds on the clock is all that elapsed essentially between those two touchdowns. And yeah, it, it really, in a sense, it capped the Packers comeback from being down 14 to three after one quarter. It was an accomplishment enough just to be able to grab the lead by halftime, but then to suddenly be ahead 10 points before the Lions even got the ball in the second half was uh, was really a big swing. And you look at you look at two sequences here, Wes. When the Packers were down 14 to 3, the touchdown that got them to 14 to 10, Aaron Jones accounted for 45 of the 75 yards on that drive. Then he busts the 75-yard run to start the third quarter and he was on his way to a career day 236 yards from scrimmage, rushing and receiving combined, the third most in Packers history, a career day for number 33. And I tell you what, I hate to say this because I don't want to, you know, jinx him or anything, 
But this might not be the first time this year we're talking about a 200-plus yards from scrimmage day for Aaron Jones. Well, and the reason you can say that, Mike, is because it happened last year against Kansas City. So over the span of, what, maybe 10 games now, it's happened twice for him. An incredible performance. The thing I love the most about it, too, is that – Jamal Williams had eight carries for 63 yards, too, in this contest. If he would have had the touches, he probably would have went off for a career day, too. Everything was clicking in the right way. The Packers got banged up on the offensive line, but they were still able to adjust and be able to create those opportunities. Matt Patricia, in this plan for Detroit, they wanted to take away Devontae Adams. That was apparent from the first kickoff of this game. And Adams, also dealing with the hamstring issue, only had three catches for 36 yards but they made them pay with the opportunities that they created with Aaron Jones. And I liked a, a line that Jones gave us in the postgame Zoom call. He mentioned how, you know, early on, you got to remember his longest carry against Minnesota was only 15 yards. So early on, he's getting these three, four, five-yard carries, and you're kind of wanting to break one here. You're wanting to actually sort of, you know, make a statement and not just have all these, you know, short things underneath. Yes, they help you move the chains, but they're not really those back-breaking back type plays. Easy for Mercedes, you to say. Exactly. Uh, Mercedes Lewis came, came up to him on the sideline and he said, hey, listen, just stay at it. You're going to be able to break the big one. They got the 22-yard pickup off the pass underneath at the end of the first half that you were talking about with that drive. And then to come up with the 75-yarder, 168 rushing yards, a career high for him, 236 all-purpose yards, the most by a Packers running back in team history, the third most overall behind Billy Houghton, and then also um, you know Don Hudson. An incredible performance by Aaron Jones and being able to really make the Detroit Lions pay for picking their poison and wanting to take away Devontae Adams in the passing game. Yeah, well, I want to talk a little bit more about some of those pieces the Packers have on offense, but I don't want to forget about our sponsor business here. So folks, gear up for game day. Open a Packers checking account from Associated Bank and score a $50 Packers Pro Shop gift card. Learn more at associatedbank.com backslash Packers. Well, through two games here, Wes, the Packers have 1,010 yards of total offense, which is like mind boggling. <laughs> but here's the thing. We saw Devontae Adams have the monster game against the Minnesota Vikings. Aaron Jones is the one with the monster game against the Detroit Lions. But you don't have 1,000 yards of offense through two games if the complementary pieces are not doing their part. And you look at what's going on here. Marquez Valdez-Scantling has over 150 receiving yards and a touchdown. Um, Alan Lazard has over 100 yards receiving and a touchdown through two games. Jamal Williams has over 100 yards from scrimmage in two games. Robert Tanyan has a touchdown pass. Uh, the, the tight ends chiming in on, on Sunday with a score. So, yes, they've had these big games from the big stars, and that's what you need to, that, that's what you need to win. But to establish any level of consistency with the offense – You've got to have these other guys chipping in. And yes, there have been some drop passes. Tanyan dropped one. MVS dropped a couple in Minnesota, all of that. The Packers know there are things that they can smooth out, but they are getting the contributions, the complementary contributions to their star players that has really taken this offense to another level. Yeah, it really has, Mike. And, you know, we talked about Josiah DeGuara last week and the contribution that he made and certainly ended up having the shin and ankle injury. So he was out of this game uh, against the Lions. But it's those type of players that maybe aren't necessarily a top 10 round drafted player in a fantasy football league, but the type of guys that make your football team better and make your offense more efficient. 
I think Robert Tanyan fits perfectly. It's, it's incredible the journey he's been on and how being a practice squad player, making a transition from receiver back in 2018 to now being and fitting into a system of offense. He wasn't even, that wasn't even here when he started in green Bay. Uh, those are just how the dominoes kind of align sometimes and how the chips fall. And it works out really well. He fits the scheme. Well, he he's improved as a blocker. He's made plays underneath. And then certainly when the time came for him to get that pass in the end zone, a rocket that Aaron Rodgers just shot at him, he was able to bring that in in a big momentum, really ceiling type play for this offense. But it goes beyond that. It goes back to Jamal Williams as a complimentary piece. It goes back to a guy like MVS, who I think was written off by a lot of people last year. MVS is averaging 22 yards a catch right now. I mean, there is a home run power with him that you just can't find. And as I wrote in in inbox this week, I mean, could the Packers have benefited from drafting a receiver? Absolutely. Would that have receiver still had an uphill climb to beat out these top three guys on the step chart? Absolutely. That would have been an investment in the future. That wouldn't have been an answer for 2020. Brian Gutekunst know what he was doing. He did go and get Devin Funches to help out, to, to be able to round that room out, give them some depth. When that didn't work out, though, he didn't panic. He stuck with what they already had, and they've built the offense around it. Now, you hope for the Packers' sake that Devontae Adams, the hamstring injury, isn't a big thing going forward. Matt LaFleur kind of played it off on Monday that it was something, a decision that was made because of the way the offense was producing and the fact the Packers were in the driver's seat. Maybe things would have been a little bit differently if that was a tightly contested game. But if Adams is fine and you have Aaron Jones going off the way he's going off right now, this offense has plenty of playmakers. There's not an issue with there with yeah. that. Well, on the defensive side of the ball, it was a very interesting game because the Packers defense got off to about as slow a start as you could. The Lions took the ball down the field on their first two possessions, seemingly with ease, scored two touchdowns. As we said before, they were up 14 to three after one quarter. But then the Packers defense clamped down a bit the Lions only scored seven more points over the final three quarters of the game. They had, you know, probably, you know, around 35 to 40% of their offensive yards just in the first quarter. So things really changed. And as we saw in Minnesota, this defense also made one of those game changing type of plays. And this time, it was with the Lions backed up near their goal line. Very first play of the possession, Channon Sullivan jumps a quick out route to Danny Amendola, intercepts the pass and sort of slides or dives across the goal line. It goes as a seven-yard interception return for a touchdown. But uh, this defense, Wes, the Packers have 85 points through two games. The defense has accounted for nine of them. There's something to be said for that. There definitely is, Mike. And one thing, you know, as many yards as the Packers ended up giving up in the second half against Minnesota and also the first two drives against the Lions, but the one thing they've done really well is they played disciplined football for the most part. You saw how, you know, really penalties did the Detroit Lions in in this game. It's one of the things that backed them up, also with a couple uh, coffin corner punts there from J.K. Scott, uh, being able to really win the field position battle in the second half. But once they were in those predicaments, the Packers' defense took advantage of it. I thought Rashawn Gary being able to avoid the cut block on Adrian Peterson and still put pressure on Matthew Stafford, that play might be differently, might have played out differently if he had an opportunity to pull that ball down and, and – Gary went to the ground. Instead, it gets forced out. Sullivan makes a great play on the ball. Game-changing moment there. Down the stretch, after being having a really difficult time closing out the Vikings, the Packers' defense did just that in this game, and they did it with their, their starting defense and their backup defense. I mean, it was incredible the way that that fourth quarter played out. Rashawn Gary getting a sack right and backs them up, forces a three and out. 
next possession, they get a sack from Vernon Scott, and I think might have been his first defensive snap in the NFL. <laughs> you have you have Gary also contribute there with Preston Smith. And then let's be honest. I mean, Josh Jackson made a nice play down the sideline too in single coverage in what could have potentially been a, a home run type ball. They close this thing out the way you want to see them close it out. The big issue here is going to be the running defense here, if you don't have Kenny Clark, right now the Packers are 30th in the league when it comes to opposing rushing yards. you got to get that down. You can't allow teams to start fast on the first and second down because that's when you're getting in, you're behind the eight ball on third down. You want to get those third and seven-plus situations. That's when Mike Pettin's defense is at its best. And when that happens, good things happen for this defense. Yeah, and you've mentioned his name a couple of times already. Rashawn Gary – he was a force on Sunday <laughs> against the Detroit Lions. And there, it wasn't some big, huge statistical thing like, you know, what, what Aaron Jones did on the offensive side of the ball. Gary did have one and a half sacks. But as you mentioned, the pressure that he got on the pick six play by Sullivan, you look at the defensive film and Gary is just a disruptor. He's, yeah. He bothers the other team on almost every single play with, with his effort, with his hustle, and quite frankly, with just the strength and power that he has against offensive tackles. He's showing that he's going to be a problem for opposing def for opposing offenses, excuse me. And that's good news for the Packers when you have guys like the Smiths and like Jair Alexander and Kevin King and Darnell Savage, Adrian Amos, those other guys that, that were a big part of this defense last year, they're all back and now they've got another piece in Rashawn Gary. They really do. And 65 defensive snaps so far, Mike, he has six tackles, one and a half sacks, four quarterback hits. So let's look back to last season, played 244 defensive snaps, had three quarterback hits during those games. He's already surpassed it in basically a fourth of the amount of snaps that he received last season. He took his off season seriously. And the other thing I really like is, okay, so you don't have Kenny Clark right now. That hurts the defense. That, that isn't good to not have your Pro Bowl defensive tackle out there. But they created that Bronco base package where they have two defensive tackles lining up as three techs. And you have Preston Smith, and also Rashawn Gary lining up on the edges, both solid, stout run defenders. That allows Zadarius Smith to sort of be that roving fifth guy on the front. They were successful out of that package. Now, they've gotten beat on it a couple times too, but if you're not going to have Kenny Clark, you're not going to be able to replace him in conventional ways. You have to do things differently. I like what I saw from that package, and I think as much as we talk about the dime defense, and that's when these you know pass rushers really make their paycheck, but it's those early downs that I think the Packers have a strength there with these outside linebackers. They can take advantage of that. And for as long as they're going to be missing Kenny Clark, if you have another option that you can lean on as far as defending the run, that's going to go a long way in being able to sustain this defense for the long run and not just show that you're just a base nickel dime defense, that you can do different variations to really take advantage of potential mismatches. Yeah, well, certainly through two games, defensive coordinator Mike Pettin has filmed a show of his guys of, hey, this is where we're in command, where we're dictating to the offense. And then, hey, this is where we're kind of getting it handed to us a little bit. And these are the things we've got to shore up. So the the, the Packers defense, yeah, it's it's been up and down. I think it can be a little bit unsettling to see that. But at the same time, you know, with the way this Packers offense is going, the Packers defense is going to have some time to, to, to work out their issues here. Well, Green Bay is 2-0 after two games. One of five teams in the NFC, actually, Wes, that are 2-0. Chicago Bears are tied with the Packers atop the NFC North at 2-0. And then three teams in the NFC West, the Cardinals, the Seahawks, and the Rams, 
not the defending NFC champion San Francisco 49ers, but those other three teams in the NFC West are all 2-0. and Just your thoughts at where things stand right now through two weeks. Well, I, one thing is, I'm if I'm an NFL team, I'm glad I don't play in the West right now. That is that is a powerhouse division, and I think the the Arizona Cardinals are really going to surprise some people. I was talking about that last week uh, as we were going into the, the the beginning slate of games here. But the one thing I like about Green Bay is that for the second straight year, you start off two and zero in your division, and it also coincides with being two and zero overall. That went a long way last year under their thirteen and three regular season. If you pick up these wins early in the division, good things are going to happen by the end of the season. It's going to keep you not only in the hunt for your division title, but it's ultimately what's going to keep you up there with the only one uh, first round buy into the playoffs. That, that competition uh, has just gotten incredibly heightened now with the number two seed now having to play a wild card game against the number seven seed. So uh, you have to be able to stay out in front of this race. It is a marathon. It's not a sprint, but we also know if you don't start fast enough, it's tough to make up that ground over 26.2 miles. I know you're a big runner, Mike. So uh, obviously yeah. <laughs> you understand that reference, but no, I mean, th- this is the way it's going to go. There's going to be tough matchups. As we talked about last week, there are going to be a tough slate of games here. Some really good quarterbacks coming up on the Packers schedule, but the more wins that you pick up here in September, the easier your job gets throughout the course of a long season. Well, interestingly, one of the teams in the NFC that is not 2-0 is the New Orleans Saints, the Packers opponent here at the end of this week coming up on Sunday Night Football. And I was, I was astonished, Wes, when I heard during the Monday Night Football broadcast when the Saints lost to the Raiders to, to drop to 1-1 one one, that the New Orleans Saints have not been 2-0 to start a season since 2013. Yeah. That kind of blew me away in a sense because – I'll be honest, 2017, 2018, 2019, I think the New Orleans Saints have been one of the best teams in football and probably the best team over that three-year stretch in the NFC, yet they don't have an appearance in the Super Bowl to show for it. They don't have an NFC title to show for it. And the Saints are sort of right where they always are, I guess. They're one and one They're figuring things out early in the season. I still think this is going to be an incredibly dangerous dangerous team in the nfc it should be a whale of a game sunday night down in new orleans yeah i mean they're gonna it's, it hurts them that they're not able to have the fans there uh that that is such a huge advantage for them i think aaron Rodgers is going to be able to take advantage of that you know potentially with the the snap counts and, and whatnot but i'll say this i mean certainly they were playing on the road but one thing that was kind of struck me about that game against vegas is that it's so weird even saying that vegas uh <laughs> what struck me about that game is that Drew Brees wasn't going off with that quick one, two second clock that he typically goes with. He was holding onto the ball a little bit longer and that there were some issues downfield. Now, when you don't have Michael Thomas, certainly that changes the structure of your offense, mm-hmm. but he was having to really rely heavily on Elvin Kamara. Now we got to see what happens with Thomas this week. There's a long stretch to go from when we're taping this on Tuesday to when they play on Sunday night, but it's just, he, he's such a game changer that I think it really structurally just changes their offense when he's not out there. So uh, for Drew Brees, uh, seeing a game like that, a performance like that up and down throughout, and then certainly the Raiders being able to close it out in the end, it does raise some questions, but the Packers have seen him so often and the way he plays quarterback, the way Phillip Rivers plays quarterback, it's given this defense, even before Mike Pettin, a lot of fits in the past. So uh, it's going to be a huge challenge and I'm sure they're going to be hungry getting back on their home turf, trying to bounce back from that loss. Well, I think the injury news, everybody is going to be paying attention to this week. The number one receivers for both teams, Devontae Adams with the hamstring, Michael Thomas from the saints with the ankle injury. It is an ankle, right? If I, I have so, that yeah. correct. Okay. So, 
Um, yeah, that's what we're going to be paying attention to between now and kickoff on Sunday night. And we will see if these two high powered offenses are at full strength. But with that, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. For Wes, I am Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.